people wanted to say, hey, Gabby, like, how can I cook your fried rice? How can I make your puff puff at home? And that's why we started coming up with stuff like puff puff mix. Okay, I can't make puff puff for everyone in the world, but everybody can get the mix. That is Chef Gabby Adebode coming in on episode four of the Nigerian Food Network podcast. You will feel her energy, insight, and knowledge on how Afro Meals has gone from zero to making an impact in the West African culinary culture. It's going to be a powerhouse, I can promise you. On with the show. Hello and welcome to the Nigerian Food Network podcast, where we share phenomenal advice and wisdom from Nigerian food entrepreneurs, professionals, chefs, bloggers, and enthusiasts making a mark in the Nigerian culinary culture. Here, we provide deep and insightful tips, tricks, and guidance to take your culinary ambitions beyond its widest goals. I am your host, Amorui Otalo. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Nigerian Food Network Podcast. My name is Omaruyi, and today we have Mrs. Gabby Odebode of Afro Meals. She's here to enlighten us on um, our cultural food, the delivery, the process, and everything business-related. So, Ms. Gabby Odebode, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to talk about all things food and how we can um, keep the culture going through our food. So thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Thank you for coming on. Um, just to get things started, uh, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your company? Sure. So hi, everyone. My name is Chef Gabby Odebode. I was born originally from West Africa, Ghana, um, but now I'm married to a wonderful Nigerian man, Yanu Odebode. Um, the reason why I have the last name Odebode, and I own the business Afro Mills. I am the CEO and executive chef for Afro Mills. We teach people how to cook um, African, specifically West African food. We have products. Um, we sell different spices. We sell different other products like Chin Chin on our platform and we do catering and we also do private events so that's about what we do in a nutshell that's very interesting how long have you been in business and also where's your business located my business is located currently in cincinnati ohio that's where we do our business so yeah um we've been in business for we actually started 2014 um, when I was doing my master's program, my background is biological sciences <laughs> and turned chef. <laughs> so we're doing, um, I was doing biological sciences. My husband was doing his PhD and we're two broke college students who were married and just looking for a side hustle. I decided to start my catering business while doing my master's program where I was um, feeding people. I was doing small gatherings, um, parties for churches, African churches, um, birthday parties, um, naming ceremonies graduation parties and so forth and then the one that was dear to my heart is when I was feeding international students in different universities in Maryland because they were coming from Nigeria and you know in the cafeteria they didn't have a bono soup 
and Eba. <laughs> so they will call me that, hey, do you make Ogbono soup? And Eba, I say, sure, I can make it. So I'll make it and go and um, deliver it to them. And they were so excited to be able to have food from their um, country of origin. So that's how we started. We also started by developing um, um, Puff Puff Mix. That was actually what actually started the business. Actually, we started developing, looking for ways to have Puff Puff to make it very easy. So we just put it together and all people have to do is add water. So that's how the business started. And like they say, and now it is history. Your primary focus is, like you said, West African meals, right? Yes, I dabble in different other um, African cuisine, North American, Moroccan food, um, a little bit of Ethiopian, but and even South um, South African. But I'm heavily into West African food, specifically Ghanaian and Nigerian um, foods. And can you please tell us some of the other services that you bring when um, in terms of catering for other people? Okay, so we started from catering, but like as we were catering for people, people wanted to say, hey, Gabby, like how can I cook your fried rice? How can I make your puff puff at home? And that's how we started coming up with stuff like puff puff mix. Okay, I can't make puff puff for everyone in the world, but everybody can get the mix and have my recipe at home and then make it at home. So we also came up with a recipe book where people can um, look at the recipe book and make the same food at home. Then it's like, oh, Gabby, what seasonings do you use for your fried rice? Now we have the recipe. What are the specific seasonings that you use? So I started developing seasonings for my food. And now we have like 10 different seasonings that we have jollof rice seasoning, fried rice seasoning and the works. So that that's what actually um, led us to start developing different um, services and products. And then some people was like, okay, we have your recipe book. We have your seasoning, but we need guidance. So we started cooking classes. <laughs> so we started doing cooking classes in person and also online so that people can log in because of COVID. We're doing more online now. People can log in, um, be on Zoom, and then we can take them through the process of how to make um, peanut soup or crust soup, how to make jollof rice, fried rice, meat pie from beginning to end. So what would you say are some of the challenges when it comes to cooking Nigerian West African food and catering and distributing i'm on i'm assuming that most of your your clients are west africans or africans actually when i was in maryland almost all my clients were west africans now that i've moved to ohio we know that ohio maryland is a huge population of nigerians and Ghanaians, so it's very easy to have to find client base but moving to ohio i had to strategize okay there's not a lot of west africans here and where, where i live um, there are a lot of Ghanaians in Columbus and a, a little bit of Cincinnati, but they're still predominantly white. So actually in Ohio, the people who are um, patronizing my catering services and my cooking classes are 90% Caucasians. But <laughs> Caucasians and other culture, I had an Indian family reach out to me to cater a huge amount of food for the week. And it was all Ghanaian and Nigerian food. They asked for suya and they're Indian. Um, and, and this was like a couple of months ago. I went to go and teach uh, a university in um, Springfield, Ohio, Wittenberg School. And they were all Caucasians who were eating the African food that I was serving them. Um, but like the people who are purchasing my products online, that one is 50% West Africans and um, also 50% Americans and um, Caucasians. African-Americans and Caucasians and Jamaicans. Okay, so you are really 
practicing the broadening of the West African culture when it comes to yes. food. Yes, because that's actually my main goal to make Af- um, West African food that is very, very underrepresented to make it known. So to come here and to just be looking for my own people to eat the food, I'm not accomplishing my goal. And that's why we say experience the culture. We want other people who are not of the culture to experience our culture through our foods. So being married to a Nigerian, I know you mm-hmm. said you're from Ghana. Yes. So being married to a Nigerian, how has that influenced your recipes? Oh my goodness, it has influenced it a lot, actually. Um, my husband never forced me to learn how to cook Nigerian food because he's just very chill. But the fact that I know that I also want to make food. You know, when two people marry, it's two people coming together, right, to be one. Like, what's mine is yours, what's yours is mine, right? So in terms of culture, we both had to learn each other's culture, how we do things for for us to be one, you know, in spirit and in mind and stuff like that. So um, I will cook some of my food and then um, I will also learn how to cook his food. And his um, his parents were a big factor in it. I wanted to please my in-laws when they come to my house. I want them to have that egusi and amala. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that they'll come and I'm serving them a mutual and peanut soup, though I've made that for them before and mutu is like rice balls and we pair with peanut soup in ghana so when i i was courting him we i that was what i made for them but like i wanted them to also come to our house and feel like they are still back home in nigeria with some of the food that they were eating so and my mother-in-law being so awesome she taught me how to make a goosey she taught me how to make amala and all of that and i remember the first time i had to I was um, supposed to meet my husband's um, dad, my father-in-law. That was the first time I had to learn how to make Nigerian jollof. I made it the first time. Epic failure. So I had to (laughs) scrape it all to the trash. And then the second time, it was much better. So that's what has really influenced my cooking. Um, And I also have come to love Nigerian food. I remember when I first saw Obon, I was like, oh my goodness, how am I going to eat this? This is more drawy than okra soup. How am I going to eat it? But like uh, mommy, you know, my mother-in-law made it so well that like we just even ate some this night before um this <laughs> so yeah um being married to him has influenced um heavily influenced some of the food that i also make for my clients and different customers so i feel like i have um the best of both worlds that's very interesting and and, and you mentioned making nigerian jollof rice and i also know that ghana the, you you have your version of jollof rice as yeah. well right yeah what what was what would be the difference between or the similarities between both styles of jollof rice? So in terms of similarities, we start the same. You know, you have the the oil, you have the um the what do you call it? The tomatoes, the blended tomatoes and stuff like that. But the and then the there's some differences that can also change the taste and also the the feel of what it is that you're eating. We for instance, we use jasmine rice. Some people call it perfume rice. Um, I know that a couple of um, Nigerians that I've met don't actually like jasmine rice. So in my house, we have both parboil rice, which um, Nigerians tend to use for their rice. And we have jasmine rice. We have both rice in our home, depending on what we feel like cooking um, that day. What type of jollof? Like today, I made Ghanaian jollof. Two weeks ago, I made Nigerian jollof and I used parboil rice. Today, I use jasmine rice. Also, another thing that um, Ghanaians use is that they cook meat in their stew. Nigerians don't cook meat in their stew. 
So we fry like goat meat or beef or we have chicken and we put it in the stew to cook along with the stew and then we add the rice and stock water. So that's another difference. Another difference is that Nigerians use more of um, um, peppers, bell peppers for their food, whereas we use where our stew is more tomato based. We're using tomato paste. We're using fresh tomatoes, onions, garlic, and some people even add ginger. So those are the main differences. But in terms of how it's cooked, it's similar. But with the jasmine rice, if you're not careful and you add as much water as you would for the um, parboiled rice, it will become mushy rice. So I know I had to teach a lot of Nigerians how to make um, Ghanaian jollof because Working with jasmine rice, if you didn't grow up learning how to cook it, it can become very mushy, which tends to happen to either very hard or very mushy, which tends to happen to some people who are from the um, Nigerian culture who have never used um, jasmine rice before. Tell us about other cultures and the recipes that you've incorporated into your business. So I've, um, again, Ethiopian is um, East African. Um, there's this um, class that I'm trying to teach called like maybe a tour of Africa where you get to get bits and pieces of different regions. Because, you know, when people think of Africa, right, they say like it's a country, but we're not a country. We're a continent full of different cultures. If you go to the, the, if you go to West Africa, their food is completely different from Eastern part of Africa, which is um, also different from the Northern part and then different from the Southern part. And then also the Central part has like a little bit of both. Do you have my point? So it's like, I want people to understand that Africa is not just Nigeria or Ghana or um, Ethiopia. Usually when you ask somebody, have you eaten um, African food? They said, yes, I've tried Ethiopian food. Ethiopia is not Africa. Ethiopia is a country in Africa, right? So I'm just trying to get people to understand that there are different regions in Africa by introducing them to different um, types of food um, from diff- the different parts of Africa. Again, um, most people are actually familiar with more of Moroccan food, North American and even East American food more than West African food. Because um, I And I wanted to know why I checked the statistics on Google and the places that are more traveled by um, tourists is the northern part of Africa. So they go to Morocco, they go to Tunisia. And that's why you see that Moroccan food actually is actually pretty popular in the western part of America compared to um um, West, um, Western, Western African food, like West African food. So now I'm trying to like introduce people, you know, yes, Ethiopia is awesome, but that's not the only country that's in Africa. Nigerians have this. Ghanaians have this. South Americans have this. Togo has this and stuff like that. But what I've been teaching people, um, I've been, I also included a little bit of East African food. I make tips using their berry berry spices, which has about like 11 to 15 different spices, like spice blend mixed together, just like our suya. But they, their own has a little bit more of different blends. Um, and then in the um, northern part, um, Moroccan and Tunisia, they have this um, spice um, blend or even a paste called harissa. Harissa too has different um, blends of spices in there to give them that their flavorful spice blend. In South Africa, um, there's something um, that I learned to make called chakalaka, which is their warm salad. It has peppers. It has um, um, beans. It has carrots, shredded carrots. It has different things. Then then you season it with a little bit of curry. So I'm learning how to like, you know, pick certain simple meals from different regions to bring them together so that when someone is trying to like understand, you know, the differences in the, um, the different regions, by even tasting their food, they will see how, yes, we're 
we're in a continent, but we're not all the same. We have differences, even in our males. You've mentioned a few times about teaching people, and I, I, I want to go deep into that whole cooking side or cooking class side of your business. Yes. So tell me a little bit about the setup, the engagement, and the end result when somebody goes through this class. So I first started my cooking class when I came to Ohio two and a half years ago. I didn't know where to start. I didn't know to start catering because, again, like, who am I going to start catering to? You know, it's not like um, Maryland where you, you walk to the left, you walk to the right in front of you. You see Africans everywhere. It was not like that. So I had to come up with a creative way. So I started reaching. We started going to church, making friends, you know, and there were, it was a white church. I started trying to get them to come to our house, taste our food. You know, they loved it. You know, they've never tasted it before. They love puff puff. I always introduce them with fried rice of puff puff. You know, when you are trying to draw somebody, you don't first introduce them to a bono. That might scare them a bit. So I will introduce them to fried rice because they've seen rice before. Puff, puff. So that's how we started building relationship in our um, where we are currently in Ohio. And then I was trying to try to get my friends for us to do something where I teach them to cook. But their response was not so great because they didn't have time. So I started reaching out to different cooking schools like, hey, you know, this is what I have to offer. You know, give me a chance to come and teach your 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 guests about West African food. And trust me, their response was amazing. Like, I had like out of like 11 emails that I sent out, five people go back to me and say, hey, Chef Gabby, come and teach in our cooking classes. So that's how it started. So when I go to the different, I teach at about three different um, cooking classes. Um, there's one in Westchester, one is in Dayton, Ohio, and one in Cincinnati. So I went to meet with them. They did an interview with them. They showed me the flow, how the classes will go. I send them some of my recipes um, for them to pick out of based on their clients and what they know about them. So they all pick the meat pie because Americans like something with, you know, bacon and stuff like that. So when I started, we'll start with knife skills. I had to teach them how to use the knife, how to cut properly. Um, and then um, I just introduced myself where I'm from. And as I'm teaching them to cook, I tell them stories about, you know, the recipes, how, where the recipe is from, um, how we originally make, I tell them the story. I, sometimes I share the suffering that we suffer in Ghana just to get our basic needs, like eating food and why we take food very seriously because it's not everyone that has. So as I'm telling them about the food, they're also learning about the culture. They're learning about, you know, how I was raised. They're learning about, you know, how we go to the market. It's not that you can just go to the refrigerator, open refrigerator, and food is there. No, not everybody had refrigerator. I remember somebody asked me, oh, Chef Gabby, do you get, um, do you have something like frozen mixed vegetables? Because I add mixed vegetables to my uh, meat pie. Oh, Chef Gabby, do you have frozen um, um, mixed vegetables in, in Ghana? Is that how you use us? Like, actually, when I was in Ghana, we didn't have much. We didn't even have a refrigerator so that we had to go to the market almost every day to get our basic ingredients to cook for the day because refrigeration was not there. And even those who had refrigeration, you know, they were some of the wealthy people who could afford it. And even if they had, light was not always on <laughs> to support that refrigerator. So, like, we deal with a lot of struggles. So that's, that also impacts the way we cook. So I start to talk to them about shito from my country. Shito is um, um, a dry... Um, uh, seafood sauce. Seafood sauce is also seen as a condiment where when um, back then when um, 
college students didn't have refrigerators, they made shit or which they would dry everything. They will um, they will cook the tomatoes until it's, it's it, all the water has dried out of it, you know, they will fry it out so that when they take it on campus, they will still have it in room temperature and it won't spoil because um, all the ingredients are dry, including the dry fish and the dry shrimps. And I used to tell them how most of our food, like our fish, we dry them because, again, we had to look for um, ways to preserve our food and stuff like that. So I go into all of that and they're so captivated by it. They feel like they're in Ghana. They feel like, you know, they're in my husband's country, Nigeria, because of the stories that I'm I'm telling them. And sometimes they even forget about the food because they're so captivated by, you know, um, the stories that I'm telling them. And that's what draws them, you know, in, you know, so it's not just food. It becomes an experience. I remember during the COVID season, um, this lady wanted to travel to Ghana, but I remember they closed all the, all the flights. So she was very sad about it. And she reached out to one of the cooking schools that I was teaching at. And she asked, she asked, oh, like, is there any Ghanaian courses? It's kind of like I came right on time. Is there any Ghanaian courses, you know, and stuff like that? And then they reached out to me like, oh, Chef Gabby, we need you to come in. This lady, this is her story, blah, blah, blah. And for her birthday, because she couldn't go to Ghana to experience, you know, the Ghanaian culture and the food, we want you to come in. She wants to come in so that you can teach her. And that day, like, I wore my... Usually I wear my professional pants. I had to wear some traditional skirt. Kente, kente is a traditional outfit that we wear. I wore a skirt for that. And then I also got a kente shirt for her that she can have. And like, she had an amazing time. Like, again, it was storytelling, teaching her how to cook some Ghanaian food. And she felt like she was in Ghana. And, you know, that um, sadness of not being able to go because of COVID and, you know, they closing, you know, flights and everything and closing different countries. Now she, she felt that you know she got to experience it because of the cooking classes and she got to experience it with her family and friends and she was very grateful and she loved the whole experience so yeah well i can tell you one thing just hearing you speak and you know the type of experience that come out of these classes that's definitely something that i would like to sign up for and get become a part of it and if you have not Check her classes out. I would encourage everyone listening to this program right now to go try that classes out. <laughs> uh, what what is the? I don't know if you if you mentioned earlier, but the final result. I know the experience and the, you know being infused into the culture is a part of the process, but at the end of the day, the food has to be good. You know, what's yeah. what's the final result? When the final the, result is always amazing because it's different when you're watching a video with somebody teaching, but when somebody's actually there and say, no, don't add that much, add this much. Oh, do it like this, do it like that. The final result is always amazing because I'm there. I get to see what you're doing. I get to correct it. I get to say, Oh, we don't do it like this. So I remember one of our virtual class, we were, um, we did a virtual class with um 20 army, um, military spouse from, um, right path Dayton. Um, military spouse, all the wives, you know, wanted to do something because again, COVID, they couldn't really go out and they had to protect the military people from catching COVID. So they could only do virtual events. And I, I said, I will, you know, I will take it on. And as they were cooking the, the food, the meat pie, we had to beg them to stop eating the food so that we can take pictures. <laughs> It's like the organizer said, guys, please stop eating this food. Let's all wait until the end so that we can have pictures to share on social media. And like, 
it the response was so good not just the experience like you said but also the food they loved it because mind you some of these people have never had african food before so there's like oh my goodness so after it was done not they loved the food so much it's like chef gabby we want to learn about african desserts we want to learn everything so immediately they booked another class with me the following month which i taught them um another cuisine so like is they always end up having a great time and also one thing about my cooking is that you know traditionally cooking can be very very especially african food can be very tedious the thing about me is that i also teach people how to cook quick and easily So some of like jollof rice that you will stress, you know, trying to cook it for a very long time. Like I find ways to cut the time so that you're cooking for you're not in the um kitchen for hours. And that's one thing that I also if you're going to introduce western people to african food and you know that western people some of them don't like to cook, you better come up with a way of making cooking cooking easy for them so that they can be involved in it. So, yeah. Uh you did mention earlier that your most of the people that come to your classes are Caucasian and from yeah. different um from other cultures. Yes. Did they give like I I understand if you my my original concept is these people come in to learn how to cook Nigerian food so that they can cook for their Nigerian boyfriend or girlfriend or wife or husband or family members. Mm-hmm. But it seems like they are coming there to cook for the, to learn how to cook for themselves. Yes, and for their families. Um some of the um the classes they would say, "Oh, chef Gabby, I know this recipe says this, but I'm doubling the recipe because we're actually cooking it for the whole family." And as they are cooking it, I see husband coming to the kitchen, picking off what these people are cooking to eat and stuff like that. So, people are not just learning, you know, before the goal was also to teach other people. You know, now there's a lot of intermarriages going on. The same thing that happened with me. You know, I'm teaching, we have I have friends who um one is Caucasian, one is Nigerian. So, I used to teach her how to make jollof rice. So, that was one of my goals, teach people who are um like getting married and are from different culture how to cook different food. But no, these people are just cooking it because they want to know about the food and they want to also introduce it to their family i remember my first cooking class after teaching this elderly man he's also he was caucasian um he's caucasian he came to me he was like where are you people hiding how come we don't know about african food you he was like you guys have done a very bad job introducing your food oh. to the world and i was like sir that's why i'm here <laughs> <laughs> exactly any other reasons why people join your classes Um, I guess they want to try something new. You know, African food is something that is um it's been we know of it, but a lot of people still don't know about it, right? So, people people want to like especially in this western world, a lot of people like to try different things, something new. How long can you eat burgers, right? How long can you even eat Chinese food? At some point, you want to try Chinese food, Indian food, Italian food, you want to try African food. Oh, what I've tried Italian food. Now what is what is African food? What are they making that I can also take interest in? It? So, I think another reason is that some people want to know what it is. They see plantains for so long, people were thinking plantains were banana. And then when they tried it, they loved it. So they see something that looks familiar, but it doesn't look like something that they've seen before and they are very intrigued and they want to, you know, try it out. So I think that's one reason why um some people also take the classes and we it's very fun. Um for me I'm a chef, but like if you listen to me, I'm not 
those chefs that are like very serious and you know my face is serious and stuff. I love to I love to bring the joy, you know, into um in everything I'm doing. I want people to have experience. I want people to feel like I'm happy to have them because you know back home when you have visitors, you are happy to host your visitors. You want to give them the best, your best plates. You want to give them the best food. You go out, you do shopping, you tell them to sit down. You know, you have conversation with them. That's the same way. If I'm going to bring you my culture through food, I'm also going to bring the whole hospitality that comes with my culture as well, which is, you know, loving on people. Back home, we are so loving. We accept people into our home and we treat them well. We feed them and we send them off well, you know. So that's how I also like to make my classes to be. All right, so Mrs. Gabby, we're going to go deep a, a little bit into, you know, getting to know you. So I have this thing I call the pressure cooker question. Okay. It's eight questions, real quick questions. You don't, okay. if you if you think too much, you've missed out on it. <laughs> okay. So the first question is, um, one food you cook that you don't like to eat? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Um, I don't like runny eggs. What's your number one ingredient that you have to have in your kitchen? Ginger. Where do you spend most of your social media time? Is TikTok now. It used to be Instagram, but TikTok. <laughs> Who do you look up to as a mentor in the food industry? Um, oh, Ramsey Gordon and Rachel Ray. Which food can you eat for one month straight? Rice. <laughs> rice. Any rice dish. <laughs> Top food TV show that you watch? Worst cook. Worst cook. I think worst cooks on um, Food Network. In your family, who is the family cook? Me. <laughs> Favorite recipe from other culture? Favorite recipe. Oh my goodness, this is so hard. Uh, I would say um, Ayamashe, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it well, designer stew from Nigeria. Okay, well, there you have it. You made it true. <laughs> I had so many options. <laughs> well, you always pick the one that's on top of your mind because that's the one that has been sitting there for a while. Yes. If someone is looking into what you're already doing, which is becoming a chef or, or expanded in Nigerian, Ghana, and West African culinary culture, what would be your advice for them? I would tell them to be open-minded because one thing that I didn't, I haven't reached where I want to get to, but I know that by God's grace, I will get there. But being open-minded, hardworking, humble, <laughs> um, is what and being willing to listen to those who have gone before you you know to to follow their steps education is one thing i feel like we need to do more as a people you know educate yourself on what it is you want to do i wasn't um i wasn't um what do you call it i wasn't trained as a chef i didn't tell you that i went to school for a chef i went to school for um molecular biology you know, but I learned from the people on top of me. The cooking classes I go to, I see other chefs, I ask them questions. I don't I'm I don't become proud like, oh me too, I'm a chef. 
how uh, why should i be asking other chefs question if i don't know anything i ask i put my pride down because whatever you don't ask it will come back to you later you know there's something that we call we say we we form i don't form <laughs> i don't form like i know it because if you form like you know it you're never going to know it because you're never going to ask the person who can help you so that's one thing I, I don't believe that there's anything called a stupid question i think the only stupid question is the question you don't ask you know so i would say that people if you want to become a chef be in the culinary industry number 1 learn how to ask questions number 2 be humble and 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 you know when i reached out to the different cooking schools i was willing to be a sous chef i was willing to assist other chef but because of the different things i've done because of what they've even seen that i've done in my past they brought me on as a chef and i was able to um shadow different chefs and see how they did things how they talk you know the class and stuff like that and i started from there but i went there willing to start from the bottom sometimes we don't want to start from the bottom we just want to start from the top and i've learned that life anything you're trying to anything that you're trying to become or if you're trying to become successful you have to start from the bottom and because when you start from the bottom you see the the difficulties that you have you had to overcome the challenges that you have to overcome to get to that point of success and when you become successful you get to that point of success it's difficult for you to throw it all away or mistreat it you know they said that things that were um difficult to attain those are the things that last those are the things you cherish those are the things you keep but anybody who reached success in just overnight we see that they don't really stand for long so for me i believe in starting from the bottom dealing with the difficult times you know this building this business has not been easy i've had discouragements i've had people attack me i've had people betray me but all of them has taught me and have made me who i am today you know i've learned to support people i've learned to you know reach out to people i've learned to encourage people out of my own discouragement that you know god help me to come out of i use that to encourage people so i would say that people need to learn how to start from the bottom and be patient because success that is not no one who has reached success came overnight unless you want the lottery business is difficult and if you don't have that drive anything any wind that comes your way will make you give up because if business was easier then everybody would be doing it and that's why some people are business owners and some people are employees you know so it's not easy so i just encourage anyone willing to embark in this food industry that like it's not easy you will have different challenges you know um also reach out to people to help you my husband honestly has been my biggest support aside from god you know because you know i believe in god i believe in jesus but aside from him my husband has been my even when he told me to start catering business i was laughing in his face <laughs> i was laughing at him like oh you're not serious me i'm pursuing biology but biology did not pay me as much as what i'm doing now is paying me 
you know um and from there he kept encouraging me you know the social media everything i told you i've learned my husband he's an it person he's the one who sat me down watch this watch that he hold my hand he would design my labels he would design my website he would design everything so i also had a great support system who's my husband who you know i don't think if my husband didn't support me i would be here today because there are so many times i was so discouraged and he would just talk me out of it like hey keep your eyes on the pride right you know you need to have someone in your team you need to work with people you know i also believe in collaboration um i started collaborating with that's how i was even introduced to um the caucasians that i know i reach out to different people i don't care where you're from you know we also have to have this multicultural mindset Sometimes as Africans sometimes we, we tend to want to stay with ourselves but nobody will know what it is that we have to do if we stay with ourselves so I reach out to different people from different backgrounds I reach out to Chinese people Indian people um Caucasian people how can we work together how can we bring what you are doing with what I'm doing together and then collaborate that's how I was exposed you know to you know different cultural people and stuff like that so I've said many things <laughs> but those are um you know the things that you know have made me today and most importantly for me you know my belief system is Jesus I always depend on him he helps me he strengthens me when I'm down and he also keeps telling me to keep going and yeah that's about it <laughs> well words of wisdom from chef Gabby Adebode <laughs> a full business plan just revealed to you in one powerful spell <laughs> i really appreciate that that's really nice Uh, so if someone wants to find you, where can they reach out to you? Um, they can reach out to me at afromills at gmail.com or they can reach out to me at afromills.com or afromills my Instagram. They can DM us. They can also um, DM us on our Facebook afromills as well. And also we're on Clubhouse, which is the new app. So they can check me out, Chef Gabby or Devoday on Clubhouse as well. We have um, a club there as well. So those are the different um, places that they can reach out to me. And if they want to reach out to me as a personal chef, they can go to chefgabbyo at gmail.com. Thank you very much. So we will definitely be reaching out to you in every single way. And um, check her out on Club. What's the name of your club? African Chefs in diaspora so we're just bringing um we're trying to build a table for us you know um where we also people get to see our food people get to patronize us so it's for those who are food content creators those who are chefs those who have um cg um cpg products that's like consumer products good so if you have like anything packaged and all of that so we come together we learn how we can also put our best foot forward so that people can also patronize us Yes, I have been in some of your room and I believe it's one of the most powerful rooms there that really caters to the African culinary culture. And I thank you for taking the time to really put that room together and how you expand, you know, our knowledge of what West African and African food is all about. Thank you. So, Chef Gabby, thank you again for coming on and I hope to follow up with you sometime in the future and see Definitely. how your business is growing. Definitely. And I uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. Thank you. <laughs>
There you have it, Chef Gabby Adebode coming on with some powerful words of wisdom for those of us that want to know more about Nigerian, African, West African, Ghana food, even all the way into the Caribbean. Thank you again, and we'll talk to you sometime soon. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Now, that was a very powerful and informative podcast episode. And thank you, Chef Gabby, for coming on. We'll be putting together some show notes for you. So if you want every link that was mentioned in this episode, you go to NigerianFoodNetwork.com forward slash Gabby. Thank you and have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Nigerian Food Network podcast. Be sure to head on to NigerianFoodNetwork.com slash podcast for show notes and links to all that was mentioned in this episode. And please subscribe and leave a review if you found this episode helpful. Until next time, make the best out of your day.